Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Go to expressvpn.com slash AppleBits and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. And thanks to Indeed for supporting my podcast as well. Hiring is one of those things that you do not want to mess up. With the stakes this high, there is only one choice and that's Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the AppleBits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. If you're a first timer here, this is the first time you've ever tried out this podcast. This is the Apple Bits XL. This is kind of a complimentary piece to all the video content that I put out, and it's really the biggest highlights of the week around Apple and then maybe companies that might affect them outside of this world in the greater world of tech. So thanks so much for coming out, and for all of you that have been here from the start, thank you because that's just how we roll here. Now, this show is also always about you also to be a part of it. All you got to do is record a voice memo on your devices, whether it's your phone, whether it's your Android phone, whether it's your laptop, whatever it is, tablet even, send it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. And then we have three calls this week that we're going to get into. So always fun when you all can kind of contribute and be a part of the show. It just adds so much flavor to it. And I love it. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. That's how you support my content independently. It starts at $2 per month. $5 per month is like a cup of coffee if my content gives you that much kind of satisfaction. I hope it does. Plus, you can go up to $10, $25, and the $100 Patreon level. That's the platinum apples to support really everything I do. And the main benefits are early access to content, benefits at each level, and a completely ad-free version of this podcast Plus, we also have some other perks along the way when you participate. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support the show. And I'm always so thankful for all of your support. All right, let's get in the show. And, you know, sometimes there's just so many iPhone rumors and reports that you can't ignore them and they have to be the lead story. But I think a lot of you honestly love the iPhone reports. We've heard so much. Again, I feel like over the past two or three years, we know more and no more earlier than we ever have about iPhones. Because not only are we talking about iPhones that come out maybe a year before their release, but we're starting to hear about iPhones in 2022 and iPhones in 2023. And we're in 2021. So we're going to start with kind of a, a roundup of what we heard because Ming-Chi Kuo, kind of one of those sources that quite honestly, historically over time has been able to give pretty darn good information it's not always 100 percent accurate because things change but for the most part uh he's considered to be another reliable source and that's why we always kind of talk and mention the stuff that he's put out um he has deep ties with kind of the supply chain and the factories and things of that nature so just to kind of give us a refresher and some new things that have surfaced just this week about what we can expect in the iphone 13 family so this is let's just call this like a rumor recap, and we're not going to dwell on it too long, but I will touch upon things that matter. First of all, no-brainer, four sizes, all four sizes will be exactly the same as the current iPhone 12 phone family. So that's a 5.4-inch, which would be the iPhone 13 mini, which is still in play, even though previous reports have talked about how you know it wasn't as big of a seller as Apple expected to and how they actually kind of moved some of their factory and building of units away from the mini towards some of the other models. We still have the 6.1-inch standard iPhone, which will be this iPhone 13, the 6.1-inch iPhone 13 Pro, and then the 6.7-inch iPhone 13 Pro Max. This is not the official name. All reports and insiders have said, hey, this is gonna be really more like a 12S year. This is what we expect, but there's gonna be some tweaks. Okay, first up, we know a faster A15 processor inside Apple Design's their own chips, and it's obviously been a roaring success, which has led to the creation and now the explosive growth with their M1 chip family. Rumors have been around here for a long time that the notch 
will finally potentially get a little smaller and reduced in size on the iPhone 13 models. That's according to Ming-Chi Kuo. This would be by the components in the face ID sensors being incorporated into like a single module. So that helps shrink that down. Also, larger battery capacities than the iPhone 12. That's some space-saving choices they've made, things such as integrating the SIM card slot directly onto the logic board. And then also some of these components for the face ID sensor have because they've been uh, not miniaturized, but they've they've been incorporated better and kind of streamlined, that is going to allow for more battery capacity. We don't know the exact battery capacities, so that's another thing. A big thing here, multiple reports are saying that we're going to finally see a feature that was in the iPhone 12 Pro Max with the camera, the sensor shift optical image stabilization. This uh, kind of takes on features found in DSLR cameras where there's a physical moving part that kind of compensates itself when you move. And when I used them in tests with the iPhone 12 Pro Max versus the iPhone 12 Pro, you could definitely see, at least in some of my walking examples, how the stabilization makes a difference. I don't think it was enough where it was a world of difference, but it did make a difference for better, steadier videos and also helps stabilize the camera's image sensor while you're taking a photo. So that improves the photo quality, really photo and video. That is believe to be coming to all iPhone 13 models, although that has been disputed to potentially only come to the Pro models by other sources. 5G enhancements, they'll be using Qualcomm Snapdragon X60 modem that's built on a five nanometer process. So that will still be a Qualcomm uh, modem. It will not be an Apple-made modem yet. Wi-Fi 6E, these will be the first iPhone models to support the Wi-Fi 6E standard. It gets you all those kind of I don't want to say exclusive Wi-Fi 6 capabilities, but you have higher performance, lower latency, faster transfer rates, and extends into the 6 gigahertz band. So that additional spectrum gives you a lot more space to work with beyond the current uh, 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. So this is the Wi-Fi 6E standard that's reportedly will be in the new iPhones the first time for there. Connector-wise, don't expect USB-C. Lightning connector here to stay at least in 2021. And then you have the millimeter wave expansion. This is for uh, support for more millimeter wave 5G in additional countries outside of the US. Now, two features expected to be exclusive to the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max. We're talking about the 120 hertz display, refresh rate. Again, nice, better on an iPad for me, more noticeable. A nice little bump, you know, this is ProMotion. Uh, reports have been that Apple will, new displays will be equipped with these low power LTPO displays that help and enable them to be optimized and handle energy consumption better for a 120 hertz refresh rate because that's always kind of one of the things, okay? If you have this on, how much power is it gonna take to c- consistently use this? So those new displays are more optimized to take advantage of this feature and don't affect the battery life as much. Plus, the iPhone 13 Pro models are expected to get an upgraded ultra-wide camera lens which a, with a wider f.18 aperture and autofocus. That's compared to the f.24 aperture fixed focus on the iPhone 12 model. So the autofocus will help as well as uh, the ability to bring in more light in that ultra-wide camera lens. So you have the wide lens and now the ultra-wide camera lens getting improvements. So these are what we expect to see in the lineup for the iPhone 13. All nice little bumps. Uh, If you have a 12 Pro, I think a majority of you don't need to do it unless you're really jonesing for those kind of additional camera features, quite honestly. The rest of the stuff will be nice bumps, but nothing significant. So still 12S, but I would say collectively, a nice bunch of upgrades, but if you got a 12 Pro, I don't think you really need it. Now, here's the other thing that came out of that. Ming-Chi Kuo talked about, okay, lightning port in the 2021 iPhone. Now, if you remember, there were a lot of reports out there that Apple could potentially bring, for the first time, a portless iPhone to the family. It was discussed by multiple outlets that this is a strong possibility But the latest report from Ming-Chi Kuo, he did this really extensive iPhone report, and a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about comes from this report in the first part of the show. He says there will no longer be 
a portless phone in 2021. So scrap, scrap that idea. But then he adds on, um, you should also scrap the idea of Apple switching over to USB-C anytime soon. We've heard rumors of this, man, as far back as the iPhone 10, I feel like. And one of these things is that in his report, he talks about how Apple will retain the lightning connector for the iPhone for the foreseeable future. Now, part of this, the biggest part of this, I should start with that lead, is that Apple gets a licensing fee for all third-party companies that are using this lightning connector in cables and accessories. And it's not a small little drop-in-the-bucket piece of revenue. It's a big part of their revenue. I mean, think about how many iPhones and how many accessories are out there for your phones that require this lightning adapter. So one of the reasons is that Apple not only makes a royalty on this, but they also say, look, they are, and this is true, they're able to control the quality of the connectors because you have to be part of this made for iPhone program. It's called their M5 program and meet a certain criteria in order for you to use these connectors that are officially, that officially work and are sanctioned by Apple. So the thing about this is that USB-C, which the majority of the industry, even Apple's iPad Pro, Apple's MacBook Air, Apple's MacBook Pro, these are USB-C or USB 3 slash Thunderbolt equipped machines. But the iPhone, still on Lightning for the time being, Lightning still on the iPhone for the foreseeable future. Um, One of some of the reasons is that USB-C is a free open standard. And then one of the technical reasons is that according to reports, it's less waterproof than lightning. Um, But again, the words free and open standard, that's typically not in in Apple's DNA. And also if they're gonna just stop it, it's gonna take a bunch of the revenue out. The report says Apple is more likely to actually jump from a lightning port directly to a portless iPhone in the future because if they switch to USB-C, let's say for two or three years, they're not making any money on any of that. Now you look at it and say, okay, well, USB-C might hurt you know, the, the business for Apple's profitability if all of a sudden these companies don't need to be part of the M5 or what we call made for iPhone program. So is MagSafe the answer? And right now, it's not because although MagSafe can charge wirelessly, let's be real, I've got to imagine even with this audience that is quite savvy, the the massive majority of you are still not charging your iPhone wirelessly. Some of you are. I have the MagSafe connector. I don't use it. I mean, I have it, but I don't use it on the regular. I still hardwire plug that thing in. That's it charges faster for me and I kind of prefer that. Also, this MagSafe connector at the moment, you can't transfer data over it. Uh, it can't be used for diagnostics or testing your device. And that comes into play when you talk about bringing these in for service. So MagSafe is a charging solution right now, but there is no data transfer physical connection solution quite yet and nothing that has shown us in the hooks in the beta of iOS 14 software that there are other methods that at least exist currently for a easier wireless data and file transfer. You could talk about iCloud, but that still takes time, right? So I'm talking about if in the, on, in the moment, on the spot, something happens to your phone, how are you gonna recover anything? How are you gonna diagnose it? Uh, without a lightning port, Right now, that's not really possible. So even if Apple gets rid of the lightning in the future, it may just jump USB-C and go portless. And I could see that happening, right? Because look, if they're, what will take place, what will replace that Apple made for iPhone program lightning connector, a program where accessories from third-party companies and maybe other cables and blah, 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 have to be MagSafe compatible. I think there was even a, we'll talk about later, there's even a recent patent revealed about an actual MagSafe connector for the iPhone. So 
that's kind of a peek at the thinking of Apple and why, although everyone wants USB-C and you all know and you can see it and you can feel it if you just like (laughs) search your heart, just like dig deep into your gut, Apple's not getting rid of lightning anytime soon. And if they do, you can refer back to this podcast and be like, Brian, you were wrong, Tong. You were wrong. Now let's look more at Ming-Chi Kuo's report. And now he's talking about looking into this crystal ball, right, down the road of 2022. Here we go. I'm just delivering the message. This is not, you know, official yet. But Ming-Chi Kuo reports that some, at least some 2022 iPhone models are going to abandon the notch. It will not be there anymore, all right? This is coming from Ming-Chi Kuo. And switch to a punch-hole display design. Um, a punch-hole display design is exactly what's on Samsung's kind of most recent Galaxy smartphones. But he says in 2022, Apple will abandon the notch. Or at least some models will completely. They'll be adopted by the high-end iPhones at a minimum, so we're talking about the Pro models. And if production yields are good enough, all 2022 iPhone models may use the design. Uh, They haven't talked about how Apple would replace Face ID. We've obviously known that there are rumblings that Apple has been testing and potentially incorporating a Touch ID in-display fingerprint scanner uh, like, like the Samsung Galaxy phones in future models, maybe as early as this year. Doesn't feel like it, but maybe. So, 2022 iPhone with a punch hole design. Now, also in 2022, Quo says the next iPhone SE will be coming. Don't think about a new one coming in 2022, but in, I'm sorry, don't think about a new one coming this year in 2021. But he reports early 2022 with 5G and a processor upgrade, the next generation of the iPhone SE will appear. That makes sense. We've also heard rumors and rumblings that a 5.5-inch larger iPhone SE has been worked on in some way, shape, or form, but we don't know if we're actually going to see it. But at least the iPhone SE that we know and was... uh, We have to look back at the numbers again. Apple doesn't report sales numbers, but at least up to the first three quarters of the year, the iPhone SE was the top-selling iPhone it was an overwhelming success. So we'll see how that tracks. Now let's keep on keep on going to do this like future, future machine. And now we're going to jump over to the year 2023. Yeah. It, who knows? Um, I mean, it could be really awesome. It's really awesome. So 2023, okay. Ming-Chi Kuo reports that... Um, there will be at least one high-end iPhone that will feature an under-display fingerprint scanner. It'll also feature um, a periscope, telescope, camera lens for a higher optical zoom. <clears throat> Sound familiar? It'll also feature a full-screen display with no notch and a 120 hertz display refresh rate. I talked about it in this week's video. Okay. Under-display fingerprint scanner periscope telescoping camera lens for up to arguably 10x optical true optical full screen display design no notch 120 hertz display refresh rate what phone could possibly be and meet those requirements in 2021 (laughs) my friends it's the galaxy s21 ultra that you can all buy right now you can literally go on a website Order one today if you want. You do not have to wait, uh, I guess, roughly almost three years for this phone. And we know the ecosystem matters. And I think at a different time, if Samsung was this far ahead, they might have been able to make some moves. But it just it just really underscores and makes you think about like, man, yes, Apple has the ecosystem. Yes, there's all these hooks that make it so difficult for many of us to leave now that we're deep in with our laptop and our iPhone and our iPad and our Apple Watch. I mean, there's many of us that are part of this and some of us aren't. But that is 
a Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra phone in 2021. And uh, of course, this is the early part of the year. I think they announced those in January. So you're really talking about a phone like that from Apple coming three years down the road, at least two and a half. That, I mean, you got to laugh at that. That's crazy. It's just crazy and shows how, why the ecosystem matters. When I, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, my God, like there's a phone that exists today that does all of that. And it's a great experience, but it's just not the Apple ecosystem. Now, let's take this another step down in the future in 2023. Quo's final piece on this whole like kind of iPhone State of the Union report. Apple could launch foldable iPhone with a 7.5 to 8-inch display in 2023. Now. We've heard about the foldable iPhone. Some people are like, are we going to see it this year? I don't think we are. You know, there's been plenty of reports earlier, well long before this Ming-Chi Kuo statement about how Apple has been looking at different OLED screen suppliers such as Samsung and LG have sent them samples. Apple's been looking at two different concepts. One would be like potentially a foldable one with a hinge in the center. So it'd be like two pieces. Another one would be a foldable single slate, very much similar to the Galaxy Z Fold, and currently they're at the Z Fold 2. It was my favorite device of 2020, hands down. Uh, my favorite mobile device, the innovation, how good it worked, how well it worked, the actual thoughtful features they put into it. It's a great device. It's not an ecosystem, so it may not be for you. And it also was $2,000. So they need to bring that price down. But Apple has not officially kicked off anything re- regarding the foldable. They've looked at it. it. All reports and indications have shown before this that they don't have a clear plan and they're really kind of testing out the waters. Look, a lot of people that laughed at the Fold, I'm going to tell you right now, if they, if Apple makes that phone and it's in the ecosystem, a lot of those people who laughed are going to be scooping that thing up. I know they are. You know they are, and I know they are. So uh, 2023, basically Apple's phone could be more like the 2021 S21 Ultra from Samsung. And then also, hey, we'll see. Maybe they do have a foldable. Maybe they don't even pursue it. I think it'll come down to how successful in driving down the price and the adoption uh, Samsung can get. But from the Fold to the Fold 2 was a huge uh, fundamental shift in how they approached the device and how they designed the device and the software that they made for the device. It was it was truly a, a an amazing leap to me in a year in. You know, I know they had to just get it out for year one, but I really, really, really loved the Z Fold 2. Now, this is a story related to software in the iPhone. I mean, we're pretty much wrapped up with talking about iPhone, so you guys guys and gals can breathe now. Like, it's, it's over. But Apple recently launched a service, this will affect all of you that have iPhones, for transferring iCloud photos and videos to Google Photos. So if you go to their... um. I believe on their service page or kind of like their support, their support page, you can just look up like transfer your photos and videos. And there's a tutorial, just a few steps of how you can copy your photos and videos and get them over to Google Photos. And at first I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, um, not all your smart albums and your live photos and all your content, some of the metadata and some of your raw photos, they're not gonna be able to be transferred. Um, The process itself will take anywhere between three and seven days. Uh, It says that Apple has to verify the request that it was made by you. And then to do the transfer, you have to have two-factor authentication turned on for your Apple ID. And then obviously also a Google Photos account with enough storage to send all that stuff over. And like, to me, I'm I'm thinking why, why out of all these years, why is it that it's happening now? And I, I think like a part of me says, hey, maybe this is, you know, a move by Apple, kind of like a a quick strike. I don't want to say defensive, but a move to say, hey, uh, for all those companies that are saying we have too much power and that we're a monopoly because we have, you know, um, Epic Games and other developers Apple's over in court in the EU and will be resolving some of some of these uh, accusations and lobbied against them of being a monopoly 
with their monopolistic kind of practices. And so right now it's like, oh, hey, uh, you can put your photos on Google if you want to. They've done moves like, hey, uh, you can put different music services on your HomePod or hey, uh, you can now use different default email clients in iOS. I mean, these are things that only happened within the past, I'm guessing six months now, never happened before. And all of a sudden they're kind of like coming, bam, bam, bam. And you got to wonder, is it, is it because of that? I don't know. Another kind of piggybacking on what I talked about, Apple opening up to maybe appear as less, you know, monopolistic and unfair. I talked a couple of weeks ago about how iOS 14.5 added a feature that allows you to select your specific music service to use with Siri. And so early reports had said, okay, this is going to change it to your default music service. If you say, hey, special word, use Apple Music to play my music. Well, what Apple is saying now in a document, and they're kind of breaking it down, is that Siri itself will use Siri intelligence and will learn your listening habits. And then eventually, if you keep on requesting this or use a certain music service, it will then learn to kind of default to that. So if you're always asking Siri for Spotify for music, it'll likely be the default, but it could change in the future if your habits change. Um, Maybe even something along the lines of if you listen to podcasts on a specific third-party podcast app, it would use that as your podcast app. So they're saying it's not as simple as, oh, pick the service and that's all it's going to be. It's it's going to kind of really be able to learn that. Another thing that we saw because iOS 14.5's third beta as well as iPadOS 14.5's third beta and then you got beta releases, new ones for Apple Watch and a macOS and Apple TV. They all came out this week. Another kind of nugget from the iOS 14.5 third beta is a new little piece of information specifically in the new Find My app. And there's kind of like when you open up or launch the app for the first time, it talks about, oh, how you can find your network and improve notifications. But a new piece says is called, or area or topic is called support for accessories. And it says you can add non-Apple products to Find My, locate your backpack, luggage, headphones, or other items. Now this has never been in the build before. And this is obviously directly addressing how am I going to find my backpack or luggage or headphones uh, just through the Find My app? Well, if you think about it, if you if it hits you because there's no other answer than AirTags, you are correct. So this would be the first reference to AirTags uh, without calling them AirTags and mentioning that Find My will be able to track non-Apple products in the app. Um, so that's currently in the beta. We also know related to the iPhone 12, we heard stories about the mag, the potential iPhone 12 MagSafe battery pack that they have been developing. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago uh, before our interview with John Prosser. Well, a new wrinkle to that is that John Prosser is now saying that Apple's not just working on one model. Uh, the original report was from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman where he talked about, hey, they're working on a battery pack. Uh, the software isn't on point yet. It's having some overheating issues. Um, so it may or may, or at least giving you a warning that it's overheating and it may, it's, they've been trying to release it a few months after the iPhone 12, but it hasn't happened. And we may or may not see this product. John Prosser chimed in recently and said, Hey, uh, not only are they working on one version, but they're working on two versions. One kind of being a standard battery pack that connects via MagSafe. And then the second would be a premium version that not only connects uh, with MagSafe to the phone, but then that top side would be able to reverse charge other items, maybe like AirPods or maybe like an Apple Watch, but at least be able to reverse charge other items on top. So uh, we will see if that happens. All right, thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this podcast. How did you choose which internet service provider to use? Well, the sad thing is that most of us have very little choice because ISPs, they operate like monopolies in the regions that they serve. Then they use this monopoly power to really take advantage of customers. You got data caps, streaming throttles, and the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs, 
log your internet activity and then sell that data onto other big tech companies or advertisers. To prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I've protected my devices with ExpressVPN. So what exactly is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your ISP cannot see any of your activity. So just think about how much of your life is on the internet, sadly, Every site you visit, every video you watch, or message you send gets tracked by ISPs or other tech giants who can then sell your information for profit. So that's the reason why I'm recommending ExpressVPN as one of the best ways to hide your online activity from your ISP. Just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you are protected. It's really as simple as that. ExpressVPN is a simple, straightforward app. Again, just one click and you're protected. I can't really explain it. It doesn't get any easier to use, and I don't have to really think about what it's doing to protect me. It's just doing it. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with the VPN that I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash applebits. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash applebits to get three extra months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash applebits right now to learn more. And also... Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this podcast as well. Hiring is one of the things that you do not want to mess up. You need to hire great people if you want to take your entire business to that next level. With the stakes this high, there is really only one choice, and that's Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part that you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Now, unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you see a list of great candidates right away. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talentness. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get back to the news and rumors and sketchy rumor claims because we always like that i don't lead with the sketchy i lead with the maybe i guess more semi-reliable uh rumors but a report from a korean blog called naver which maybe doesn't have the longest track record right now reports that apple is expecting to release a new ipad mini pro that will arrive in the second half of this year. Now, we've heard already about potential that Apple is launching a sixth generation iPad mini, kind of with that earlier design with the, the forehead and the chin and the touch ID button, kind of with that older school design in the first half of 2021. Even uh, reports are as possibly as early as March. But this would be an iPad mini pro that would feature an 8.7 inch display. So it would have the pro like design. A lot of people in just wanting this once Apple even put out an iPad pro or the new design, it would be housed in a body that has increased width and reduced height compared to the current existing iPad mini five. So according to them, it's past Apple's initial R and D and product planning stages. It's currently in the P2 design stage where Apple starts to begin their design validation test. Um, so. After that, it would then be submitted for a production validation test before green lighting the device for mass production. I don't know if we're going to see it. Maybe we see it. Maybe we don't. But it's in the conversation. Again, it's a little out there and no one else has ever reported this. So this would be the first. It always kind of when it comes from a source that people haven't heard about, it's the first time we've ever heard about it. It can, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't jump on it too fast. I mean, I always you know, part of putting out videos and content is reporting stuff, but sometimes it's okay to like hold off and not say like, you know, I've seen videos, iPad Pro Mini is coming, it's official. It's like, oh guy, like, come on, let's let's just like temper this down. I know you gotta get the views too, but let's let's chill out a little bit, all right? Other stories, 
OLED 10.9 inch iPad rumored for not this year. Sorry, folks. <laughs> OLED 10.9 inch iPad rumored for early 2022. And again, OLED displays could really start launching in that year, not only for the iPad, but there's other reports that Apple's been working on both iPad and Mac notebook models with OLED displays, potentially a 12.9 inch iPad Pro and a 16 inch MacBook Pro could follow with OLED screens in 2022, but this is not going to be anytime soon. This is not going to be for the new launch in 2021. Um, It's really funny because OLEDs are amazing and you get a lot of image quality benefits and even power uh, consumption benefits. You know, Samsung has these out on their tablets already um, and other manufacturers have screens out. So it's it's nice for the Apple user. I I would love an OLED screen just to continue to get more true blacks, true color representation. And it's not that they're bad right now, but it's kind of hard to beat that that OLED on there. Um, no reports on one of the issues that OLED tends to have is in brighter environments, it doesn't have that high peak brightness that you can get from uh, LED-based displays, which are currently on Apple's displays. But this is looking down the line, 2022. There's also, right, we know and we've heard that there will be many LED displays coming in the first half of this year. And the report says that these would be able to coexist within the product lines, depending on the different models and pricing. Many LEDs in 2021, OLED displays in 2022. We'll wait and see. We don't know. Also, an image of what is believed to be a leaked new Apple Pencil. The best way to describe it, it comes from Twitter leaker Mr. White. He's put out a lot of stuff that has um, eventually come true. He, he doesn't put out crazy details. So just throw out a picture once in a while. So think about the current Apple Pencil that magnetically charges to the iPad Pro line. And it kind of has this like round body with a flat edge. And it's a, it's a more matted finish. Think of that, but glossy. That's kind of like what this new Apple Pencil looks like. And then also in his photo, the tip itself is a little different in how it connects. It's not like a a little screw on. It kind of has a little nub to maybe push and pop in. So that's going to be a little different as well. Now, another product I love, I cannot wait to see what they do for the Apple Watch. Well, the latest report from CounterPoint Research to talk about the dominance, right? I think I've mentioned it multiple times of just how when I say the Apple Watch is the best smartwatch in the world, even if it's only for Apple, that is a state, true statement from a sales standpoint. Now, from a you, a personal standpoint, as a user, it may not be the best product. Some of you only own an Apple laptop and you're still using an Android phone and maybe other Android accessories. So you're semi-Apple, but you're not completely Apple. Well, CounterPoint Research says Apple shipped 129 million models of the Apple Watch Series 6 and Apple Watch SE in the fourth quarter of 2020. Now, if we go back a year ago, um, Apple controlled roughly 34% of the smartwatch market at the end of Q4 2019. So that would be October, November, December. In 2020, the final quarter of last year, Apple's Watch models accounted for 40% of the market share. So they increased that market share over all the competition by 6%. And, uh, you know, I've talked about what I want to see from the Apple Watch and how they can make it better. And the number one way that they can make it better and even crush the competition even more is when they get to the point where you don't need an iPhone to set it up, where whether it's a portal online to get that initial setup or just pop in the Apple Watch create at least have an apple uh, account id and then just purchase apps because there's an app store it's not the easiest to navigate and use but there's an app store on the apple watch and they even have like a section for kind of your essential apps that's all you need and that thing would be gangbusters forget about the requirement of it has to have an iphone that's how you blow it up even more and i believe at apple's recent earnings they said somewhere around Oh, now I don't want to throw these numbers around carelessly. Uh, I'll just be more cautious. I believe it was, and this could be a wide range, 
It was something like anywhere between, it was either 70 or 50%, which is a big difference, 50% versus 70%. Let's just safe, safely say 50%, but I feel like it was 70. They, that number they said was roughly how many people who bought an Apple Watch were bought the Apple Watch for the very first time. It might have even been 70, honestly. Someone else can fact check me on that, but it was definitely above 50% of people who purchased the Apple Watch purchased it for the first time last year. That's insane. And it's still, it's a 40% market share, which is dominant, but there's a lot of Apple users that still don't have an Apple Watch. And maybe they get there. But I also have been getting this request from a lot of people, and I think that, uh, especially from our friends in Australia, good day. The Australian government has approved ECG functionality on the Apple Watch as of this week, giving Apple the all clear to finally launch the feature for Apple Watch users in the country. That's according to regulatory documents spotted by uh, outlet The 8-Bit. So last month, Apple's uh, irregular heart rhythm notification received approval in Australia, although ECG did not. And some people are like, hey, ECG still not. Well, now at least the government has approved ECG. So it's really just up to a software update rollout to flip that switch for my friends in Australia. So hope you enjoy that. It's coming soon. Just hold on a little bit longer. It's coming soon, all right? Here's what's not coming soon. Here, in fact, is something that is going away for good. And it really does speak to the how behind or how much little love and attention the Apple TV has received. Not all of you have an Apple TV HD or Apple TV 4K model. A lot of you are just fine with that Apple third generation Apple TV. Well, now, as of this week, the YouTube app is no longer available on third gen Apple TV. So that's kind of the more narrow, slimmer one. AirPlay is now required to watch videos. So you have to go from your app on your phone and then toss it to over airplay you cannot use the native app on the third generation apple tv also the major league app no longer available on the third generation apple tv so this is kind of two instances where we're starting to see apps that are popular not like little fringe apps but big apps uh they're no longer supporting the third generation apple tv which brings us to like when are we going to see a new apple tv we still don't know I mean, are they going to force you? Will you just have to end up buying an Apple TV 4K and wait another year? We really, no one really knows if they're going to release an Apple TV this year. I really hope they do. They need to. But even if they do, I've talked about before, put in a better processor. Uh, give us a better remote. Give us a U1 chip capability to find the remote better. Is that, if I'm not a tech reviewer, am I getting that Apple TV? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Good news, though, from Apple TV, specifically Apple TV Plus, the show that everyone still tells me to watch, and I will get to it. Ted Lasso wins the Golden Globe Award for Apple TV Plus comedy series. It's actually Jason Sudeikis who wins the award for Best Actor in a television series in the musical or comedy category. I heard it's amazing. You know what? It's always good when attention can be shown towards Apple TV shows that are that good because that's what they're going to need to get people on the service, even though we're still all getting it for free over a year later. So Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis, best actor in a musical or comedy series. That's just awesome. So fine, maybe maybe you convinced me that I should watch the show. I guess I will. All right, everybody, uh, let's jump into our voicemails. Remember, I told you how to be a part of this show. It's amazing. You add so much texture and flavor to the show. Record your voice memo. Tell us your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, your comments or suggestions or crazy wild out there ideas. I feel like we got all of them this week. So we got three calls. We're going to start off with my friend, Mr. Trevor from Arizona. Hey, Brian. It's Trevor from Arizona. I have a few thoughts about the iPhone 12 mini. Let me just start off by saying that I have a green iPhone 12 mini. Um... Because unlike others during the pandemic, I haven't stopped really going to work at all. Besides wearing a face mask, it's almost been situation normal for me. So I love the small size, the form factor, mostly because it fits well in my pocket and has a great camera. And the utilitarian function 
of it just having a smaller phone but having the same power is great. Of course, I'm super sad for hearing that it's not selling well, and I hope it does get upgraded, but I think Apple has a backup plan. I think Apple had two scenarios for the iPhone mini. They put the R&D into it thinking that it would sell well, mostly because they got a lot of response, I think, from people saying that they would buy it. But then, like you, Brian, they were really impressed by it, but then ultimately just bought the larger size. So I think Apple's current plan is to make the iPhone mini the next SE in three or four years. I don't think that they'll throw away all the research and development that that they put into the Mini. And I think that the SE fan group likes the SE price and the SE size. And I think in three years, when the SE is ready to be upgraded, the Mini form factor will be great. Not only will it be cheaper to produce uh, because of the smaller screen size, uh, but also since... It will be a few years old. They can sell it at the SE price. And I think if they can do that, um, that'll be a perfect replacement for them. All right. Hey, you know what? I love that, Trevor. I think your theory, you know, these are all theories and possibilities. I think what you're thinking about is, is is right on track. It'll be interesting to see if Apple does release an iPhone SE 2022 model. So maybe that throws a monkey wrench into that theory. But I think eventually... What you're saying will happen, whether it happens in three years or whether it happens more in five to six years. Uh, but it, it makes total sense to her. You know, maybe we're all wrong. And the many people eventually just say, like, the sales don't justify them to make it. And again, 5% of Apple phone sales, iPhone sales is so much larger than any other companies. So we just don't know the numbers they're selling. They're probably still selling a good amount, but maybe not as many as they want. And uh, we'll find out what happens. So thanks for the call, Trevor. Really appreciate it. All right, next up, my man, Scott. Hey, Brian, it's Scott. I think I've figured out what Apple's going to do for the Apple car. Now, now stay with me here. Imagine a world where vampires have taken over and they want to drive around during the day. So all the glass has to be blacked out. And so they've got the LiDAR to help them avoid obstacles. They use AR to project what the vampires can't see through the glass uh, onto the glass. So that way it feels like a natural driving experience. I think Apple is going to make the vampire car. What do you think? Um, I think Scott lost me when he said... Imagine a world where vampires want to take over. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. That was funny. Um, Yeah, good call. <laughs> maybe, maybe in some alternate reality multiverse situation, you might be on to something. You might. All right, let's take our last call here. Hey, Brian, this is Tyke. Um, I'm from Arcata, California, which is like way up in Northern California. Um, I have a challenge for you. Um, I want you to try and live an Apple life. And what I mean by this is only use Apple services. So you have to get rid of Spotify. Um, you have to, you can't use Gmail or Google Chrome or anything like that has to be everything Apple. Um, you gotta uh, try and use Fitness Plus every day, um, and uh, that's about it. Um, you can do this up for up to like a week, <laughs> two weeks, a month, however long you want. Um, doesn't really matter to me, but I I live in Apple all life uh i i only use apple um and my search engine is DuckDuckGo. um so yeah let me let me know if you want to do this um oh and by the way i'm right now i'm driving and i'm recording this on my apple watch so let me know how this sounds all right chag uh not bad not bad at all it actually sounded pretty good until the end, maybe when you put put your wrist for the way. But uh, it 
look, I could I could live that Apple life. I mean, I'm probably at like 80%, but I think from a productivity standpoint, um, I mean, all my all my business emails on Gmail, do I want to do it? How about this? Uh, I just, I just, it would be hard for me to actually do it. And I, I think it's actually, for me, it's a good thing to be objective and experience all these other things. And quite honestly, sometimes I've made deliberate decisions not to completely go 100 Apple, but maybe I will, and I'm not going to do it now or anytime soon. Maybe there's an opportunity, opportunity to later in the year uh, sign up for the entire premium Apple One plan versus what I am accustomed to and then make that comparison and see how it worked for me. I think where you lost me is when you said use Apple Fitness every day. <laughs> I'm not, look, I love working out. It's been harder to work out during the pandemic, but man, I mean, that that was the challenge in itself. Apple Fitness every day? You You must be like ripped. You must be like swole or at least super trim. So thanks for the call, Chaga. For everyone else, you know, thanks so much for calling in, being a part of the show. All you got to do again, record your voice memo, send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's obviously going to do it for this week, but we got to give big thanks first before we go to our platinum apples at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for your continued ridiculous support. And thank you, all of you, for your support at all the different levels to allow me to keep on doing this. I can't say this enough, but man, you are all amazing. So uh, I'm so grateful and appreciative of it, especially with everything going on. And, you know, I hope you continue to enjoy it. I'd really also, this would kind of be a fun thing to have you guys and gals call in. I'd like to hear maybe things that you'd like, elements maybe, or ideas, or um. I don't want to say segments, but maybe things that you'd like to see from me to bring in or add in the show. You know, I bring in guests once in a while. Uh, Sometimes I'll have guests three in a row, but I I like to mix it up. Maybe some suggestions from you of what you'd like for me to do in this show. And maybe I'll use them. I don't know. Let's just have fun with it. But otherwise, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, taking your time to tune in. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.